0: Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to our lead pastor, Chris Figueredti, for this week's message. Well hello and welcome to Vineyard Online. Excited that you're here, excited to be back preaching again this weekend. You know, for the past five weekends I have had a a summer preaching break and I do this every summer. I'll take five or six weeks off just to catch my breath, because there is a lot of weight to preaching on a regular basis. Uh, you can ask anybody who preaches. Uh, it's, there's a lot of, it's a lot of pressure, and there's a weightiness to teaching God's Word. And just to catch your breath is amazing. And I am so blessed, to have such an amazing team of communicators and Bible teachers here at the Vineyard Church. And I just wanna take a minute and say thank you to, to Myron who did a mon- phenomenal job and to Jen who did a fantastic job as well. And of course, Chris do. We are truly blessed. I don't know of a church uh, anywhere that has such a deep and, um, and fantastic Teaching team. And so, thanks, guys. It is a privilege to serve alongside you, and it is a privilege to be part of this church. Uh, God has blessed us so much and so well. If you see those guys, give them a big thank you as well. Well, this has been an amazing series, hasn't it? I mean, who would have thought going through the Ten Commandments could? We could gain so much along the way. We've learned that the Ten Commandments are not just a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's not just a list of rules that God gave us to keep him happy. In fact, God gave us the Ten Commandments to keep us happy. That's the point. They are the road map, so to speak, to the best life that you can possibly live. And yes, they are guardrails for a civil society. When we violate these as a society, society begins to uh, unravel and and it, and and you go to places where they are more violated and life is less worth living. I mean, it is it's just the way it works. You go to places where corruption prevails and uh, and poverty prevails as well. It's a direct correlation. So they are guardrails for a civil society, for a prosperous society, but more importantly, they are guardrails for our lives, so that we can live the best life possible. God wants us to be happy and full of joy, and that starts with living according to the way he designed life, and we find that, the fundamentals of that, the bedrock of that, here in the 10 Commandments. Now, today I'm gonna be reading from Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. We're gonna be looking at the 10th Commandment, and this is what it says. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now, the first question we need to answer in 2020 is what does covet mean? It's not a word we use today very much. And basically, coveting means greed, lust for, or a strong desire. Webster's puts it this way, to wish for earnestly. It's something that we want so badly that we think about it all the time, we get obsessed with it, we've got to have it. And for some of us, it might be a new thing, a new car, you know, I got to get that car, or a promotion at work, and it's all you can think of and work towards, and you want it more than anything else. But there's a second aspect to coveting, and that's really what this commandment dials into but i think this commandment really takes us to a a bigger principle that covers both of these and that that is coveting is strongly desiring what belongs to someone else again webster puts it this way to desire what belongs to another inordinately or culpably it doesn't mean you can't look at your neighbor's car and go boy i'd like to have one of those Sundays." it means that you kind of get obsessed with it and you want what belongs to someone else and so in this commandment what God lays out, he gives us a bunch of examples. He says, don't covet your neighbor's house. Don't look at your neighbor's house. And then you gotta have a nicer house than they do. Or you gotta have something that, that is as, as good as or better than theirs. And, and you think about it and you think about it. Now we do this today. Of course, we look at our neighbor's houses, sure. Uh, but we'll sit around and watch HGTV and, and we'll covet Joanna Gaines's house, you know, or, or somebody else, we'll, we'll, I need that that kind of style or that kind of decoration. Why don't I have that house? And we want what we don't have. And we begin to obsess about it. He says, don't covet your neighbor's wife. This goes both ways, wife or husband. You don't, you don't want what doesn't belong to you. He says, You're, don't covet your neighbor's ox. Now, I have to say, I have yet to find somebody. Even even I have Amish friends, even my Amish friends, uh, I've never heard of them coveting an ox. Uh, but an ox in their context was their tractor. You know, I, I, my neighbor's got that. If you're a farmer, my neighbor's got that John Deere tractor. I should have the John Deere tractor. And of course, the Ma- Massey Ferguson people were all going, well, "No, you want a Massey Ferguson? Wh- whatever, whatever your brand is, doesn't matter." But really, it's it's a means of production. And in, in our world today, the ox would mean our business or our job. Don't covet your neighbor's business or their job or their success. And they he says, don't covet their donkey. Again, I don't know anybody who's coveting a donkey in 2020, but we do covet other people's modes of transportation, which is what a donkey was for them. So we covet people's cars. Boy, I should have that convertible. I should have that pickup truck. I, you know, whatever it is. And then he says, don't covet your neighbor's servant. Now, servants, uh, or just a, 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 you know, there's a, it's a lifestyle, it is a degree of success that that neighbor would have had, and we covet that degree of success. And then if, in case there was any question about what God was getting at here, he said, or anything else, don't covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now, can you admire? For sure, absolutely. But don't covet don't long for dream about get it stuck in your head and in your heart don't obsess about now i, I want to take a, a a short diversion here because uh, there's something that i need to point out especially in the day and age that we live in and that is this god believes in personal property this commandment shows that God believes in personal and private property because you can't covet what somebody else owns if they can't own it. Jen pointed this out beautifully on the, the you know, don't steal commandment. You can't steal what belongs to somebody else if they don't actually own it. But God clearly sets society to work up in the realm of, of personal and private property. Now, in this day and age... Uh, Marxism, communism, socialism, these ideas that all kind of find their roots in the teachings of Karl Marx uh, are, uh, it's, it's all about not pri- owning private property, it's about what you have belongs to me. Uh, and there is, it's deeply flawed for a bunch of reasons, and that's a whole other sermon for another day, but I do want to point out here, because this is, this is where we are, both as a society today and in the scripture that we're in that Marxism really is built on covetedness. It is, it is you have what I want and I should have it. You shouldn't have it. And, and it leverages jealousy and it leverages covetedness and it whips up class warfare and gets a, a group of people to overthrow a government to empower just a few people who will actually end up owning everything because we've seen this over and over again over the last 150 years own everything, and have, have all the power, and enforce their will on everyone else. And it's evil. It is evil. Every time it's tried, it leads to poverty, hunger, uh, famine, uh, genocide, uh, tyranny. I mean, I could go down the list. It doesn't work. You know why it doesn't work? Because it's built on covetedness. And covetedness will will lead to violating all the other commands. And when you, back to what I said earlier about civil society, when you build a society not on these principles and these teachings, uh, it's going to devolve into just ugly. And that's what socialism, communism, Marxism always does. So don't buy the lie. All right. That's the end of my tangent. I want to go on with, let's talk about covetedness. And there are two kinds of covetedness, as we've already talked about. There's one is when our desire for other things exceeds our desire for God. That's how I'm going to define it. When our desire for other things exceeds our desire for God. When we become obsessed with something, it's all we can think about. We fantasize about it. And ultimately, we will end up trading God God for that thing and we will end up worshiping that thing and that leads us to all kinds of bad doesn't it it leads us to violate the first four commandments and in fact i would suggest to you um, covetedness if you let it take root in your heart will cause you to violate all the commandments god says in the first commandment look don't worship any other gods but me don't worship any other gods but me but what we do is we trade we trade uh, for god for whatever it is that we covet one of the things we tend to covet is money and jesus understood this in matthew 6 24 he says no one can serve two masters either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve both god and money you cannot worship both god and money now money is probably the biggest thing that we are tempted to covet money or stuff the word actually in in the book of Matthew there, that is used in the original language uh, is mammon. And mammon means both money and stuff. These are the things that we tend to replace God in our life with. We, we put our faith in, in money and stuff, and we tend to put it in the first place position in our life. It competes with God to be God in our life, and it leads to all kinds of pa- bad, all kinds of suffering, it's not good. But there are other things that we covet as human beings. We covet money and stuff, we covet power, we covet, covet sex, we covet drugs, we covet idolatry, or I'm, I'm sorry, we don't covet idolatry. All these things lead to idolatry. But those are things that we are tempted to obsess about, want more than we want God, and will lead us to bad places. In Colossians 3, uh, chapter 5, let me, or I'm sorry, in Colossians 3, verse 5, it says this. It says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. Doesn't that sound like the list I just gave you? And, this is, and then this is what it says. Well, I'm going to read it again. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because we end up worshiping the things we covet. And we can end up, as we talked about in the first week of this series, or the second week of this series, that we are very tempted to worship the things that we can see. Idolatry, we've got to be careful of that. But when we begin to covet one of these things, it will lead us to dishonor God's name, the third commandment, because he has fallen to a lesser place in our life. It will lead us to violate the Sabbath because our trust is not in God, and now we can't stop. We're going to work and work and work to get that thing that we want. So the first kind of covetedness is when we want something more than we want God. The second kind of covetedness is when those desires are for something that belongs to someone else. And the, that definition of covetedness, that part of covetousness, will lead us to violate the other commandments. We will eventually steal. We will eventually kill. Think Cain and Abel in the Old Testament. It will lead us to dishonor other people because we are so focused on the thing that we want. It will lead to adultery. It will lead to lying. In James chapter 4 and verse 1, got a lot of scriptures here this week, so hang with me. Um, Let me flip over to James chapter 4 and verse 1. I didn't mark this one, guys, sorry. James chapter 4, verse 1, here it says, what causes fights? and quarrels among you don't they come from your desires that battle within you you desire but you do not have so you kill you covet but you cannot get what you want so you quarrel and fight see when these desires get out of control in our life it gets us into trouble and we are we we do we violate the, uh, the other commandments. We, we kill, we lie, we steal. We, we do all of these things to get what we want. And it's the out-of-control desires of covetedness within us that get us to that place. You know, I, I remember several years ago, there was a couple that came into my office and, and uh, she was having an affair. And she knew it was wrong. She knew all that was at risk in their family. We had a very honest conversation. Um, she knew that like wreck her, her kids and her home and, and all of that. And yet she, in a very, very honest moment, you know, looked at me and her husband and was like, but all I could think about, all I can think about is him. You know, he, he makes me happy and, and, you know, maybe in the moment it feels that way, but she knew in the big picture it didn't, but she was out of control with covetedness. She coveted that other guy now it could be another person a man or a woman it could be a car it could be a house it could be a it could be power people covet power and will give trade all kinds of things for power or a position or a promotion maybe it's a tractor if you're a farmer or a boat if you're a fisherman maybe it's a drug if you're an addict maybe it's a lifestyle maybe Maybe it's looking around at what everybody else has, especially, this is especially a problem in this day and age on social media. You know, you used to have to work to look at what your neighbor has. Now people put their highlight reel right out in front of you and you, you, you look at it online and you're like, well, I don't have that and I don't have that. And, and we are absolutely bombarded with the message that what we have isn't enough. And, and then, of course, we get that in the media as well. You know, we are exposed to thousands of marketing messages a day that tell us what we have we should be dissatisfied with and that we need something else. And it creates this momentum towards covetedness in our lives. And there's a, an internal battle going on. That's the picture that the, the Scripture paints, the desires that battle within you. There's a battle going on. And guys, I'm here to tell you, you have to fight the battle. You can't just let it wage within you. You have to, you have to fight it or it will eventually take over. You will eventually lose control and it will wreck your life. And it, that is why God gave us this commandment because he doesn't want you to wreck your life. He wants you to live the best life possible. You know that God created you to live at peace on the inside, in your heart. He wants you to live at peace. We call this the principle of contentment. And the principle of contentment really is the the principle behind this commandment. And if if you're content, you're not coveting, right? And God says that we can live in contentment. And God wants us to live in contentment. And in fact, contentment is the pathway to great gain. That's what the scripture says. In first Timothy 6 verse 6 it says but godliness with contentment is great gain when our relationship with God is good and we're connected with him and we have contentment we're not we're not feeding the flames of desire and and covetousness covetedness in in our heart it leads to great gain now I know some of you are thinking wait 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 God wants me to gain it's okay to want and to get ahead to have goals Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. You know, God created us to have uh, goals and desires and visions for our life, and it's okay to pursue those things. Contentment is not complacency. Please don't confuse that. They're, they're, they're different things, but he doesn't want us to want those things more than we want him. And he doesn't want us to begin to fantasize and obsess over things that other people have because those things will wreck us eventually. Contentment, though, opens the door to great blessing. You know, my God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That's Bible speak for God owns it all. He has all the the money in the world. He has all the resources in the world. He is connected to all the people in the world. He can make happen in my life what needs to happen in my life. And the breakthrough for contentment is understanding that fact and then looking to God and saying, God, you're all I need. God, you're all I need. I surrender. Whatever you have for me, that's what I want. I want what you want more than I want what I want. God, you're all I need. And something mystical happens in our hearts at that point. Contentment takes root and begins to blossom. And it's powerful and it is amazing. And the temptation for everything else loses its power. It positions our lives to be content. And when we're content, God can bless us the way God loves to bless us. You know, back when I was doing college ministry and young adult ministry, there were a lot of uh, young ladies, sometimes a young man or two, but, but usually young ladies whose biological clocks were ticking and they didn't have a husband yet or even a prospect. And they were consumed with wanting to find a husband. And they were on the hunt. You could tell, you could see when they were on the hunt. And I would tell them over and over and over again, I called it the husband principle. Look, if you, when a husband, focus on your relationship with God, you know, when you, when you stop coveting that in your life is when it will happen. Now, it might not happen right away. It might be a couple years down the road. But when your focus is on when you can say to God, God, you're all I need and you're okay with yourself and you're okay in your relationship with him, that's when the husband will appear. And the same thing is true with anything else in our lives. When we covet it, it, it tends to be beyond our reach. And if we get it, it wrecks us when we do. See, the best life you can live uh, is trusting God and living in contentment. You know, God tends to not bless us In our discontentedness i want to say that again god tends to not bless us in our discontentedness and here's why he tends to not give us what we want in our discontentedness here's why because we will place our faith in that thing and we will end up worshiping the wrong things we will end up worshiping lesser things and god loves us too much to do that to us but once we find contentedness in him once we say god you are enough He is free to bless our socks off, and we are able to handle that blessing at that time. So, the question then is, what is the secret to being content? How do we achieve contentedness? And so I have five things I wanna give you today that will help you with this. The first is, is simply this, root out covetedness. Root it out of your life. Do the internal work, ask yourself, is there something that is competing with God in my life? Hebrews 13.5 says this. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money. Another translation says free from covetedness and be content with what you have. Keep your lives free from the love of money. How do you do that? Well, you have a part to play. And so ask yourself, is there something that's competing with God in my life? and take enough quiet time to really reflect on that. Go for a walk, let God speak to you. And then when you, you see it, call it out. Call it out, call it what it is. And when you name it, it begins to lose its power. And you have to make the choice. Sometimes in my life, over, over my story, there have been things that I had be, either gone down the, begun down the road of coveting, or I was full-blown coveting, and and I needed to draw a boundary around it. You know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, go online for a season or I'm not going to drive that way to work because that's going to take me by a bar and I'm going to be uh, tempted by going by that bar or whatever it is. Sometimes rooting covetedness out of your life is removing yourself from the temptation for a while and just not going there. Some of us probably need to take a social media hiatus for a while because that's where your temptation is but rooted out of your life you have a part to play the second thing you can do is choose to celebrate others when someone at work gets the promotion that you wanted but you didn't get celebrate for them is this self discipline yes absolutely but if you can get to a place where you can celebrate other people's wins even when you wanted it to be your win it will break the power of covetedness in your life if your if your if you're a sibling has a bigger salary than you, if if someone else has the car that you want, you know, the other the other night we were watching a movie with the family, and and uh, the guy in this movie had a 1970 Ford pickup truck, and I have to say I was I was very tempted to covet for a little while because I would love to drive around in a cool 1970s. Ford pickup truck. I'm a 1970 model. A 1970 Ford truck would be awesome, right? But I choose not to covet. I celebrated for the guy in the movie who had the truck. You know, don't, uh, if somebody else, if one of your friends gets a husband or a wife and, and you're still single, can you celebrate for them if you choose to? It's a powerful way to break the power of covetedness in your life. Third thing you can do, intentionalize gratitude intentionalize gratitude philippians 4 6 and 7 says this do not be anxious about anything i love this this is all about contentment do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving peace and thanksgiving are tied together when you can be thankful for the things that you have, when you can stop and, and, and purposely remember all the ways that God has blessed you, it's easy to not, or it's easier to not covet the things that you don't have. Make a list, check it twice. He says, um, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, the contentment of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Intentionalized gratitude. But that's not all. Fourth thing, put God first always. That's really what covetedness comes down to is, is we end up putting something else ahead of God in our life. We prioritize something above him. We put ourselves at the center and then we try and fulfill our own wants. And that is a recipe for disaster that will wreck your life every time. You know, Psalm 37, 4 says, Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, this is an awesome verse. Take delight in the Lord. Put Him first in your life. Make sure that He is the center of your affections and in the number one position in your life and then he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, I think this scripture might be a little misunderstood sometimes, because we read this as, well, if I take delight in the Lord, then he'll give me whatever I want. And that's not true, we know that's not true, because there are things that we want that aren't good for us, he he won't give them to us. But I think what God means by this, this scripture is that when we delight in the Lord, He begins to make His desires our desires. He begins to rewire our hearts from the inside out, and we want the things that are good for us, the things that bring blessing. And our lives are better. Our lives are deeper. Our lives are more content. And everything falls into place when God is in first place. We have what we need. We have peace. We have joy. We have provision. And ultimately, we have contentment. And guys, at the end of the day, that's what the whole world is looking for. This is how you find it. Fifth thing, nurture a friendship with God. Nurture a friendship with God. I love what John Piper says in his book, Desiring God. He says, the Christian walk is bringing glory to God by enjoying him forever. I love that. It's not like following all his rules and you know working, slaving hard for God. It's enjoying Him forever. It's enjoying the relationship with God that you were created to have, and that brings us contentment when we are in God and when we are with God. Philippians four, eleven through thirteen says this. It says, "For I have learned to be content." Here's the principle of contentment. Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every, in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then the apostle paul says this i can do all things through him who gives me strength now we like to take that last part and put it on stickers and stick it on the refrigerator or, or whatever else and we hold on to that passage i can do all things you can't do all things this is in context you know what you can do you can be a content in plenty or in want, in hunger or if you're well fed whether you're living in a castle or you're living in a shack, you can be content with Christ who gives you strength because He is with you. Nurture that relationship with Him. And regardless of your circumstances, you can live in contentment. Let's go back to Hebrews thirteen five because this is powerful. It's at the beginning of it, which we've already read. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money or covetedness, and be content with what you have because god has said never will i leave you never will i forsake you why can we be content because god is with us guys nurture your relationship with god nurture your relationship with god how do you do that come to church read your bible every day learn to pray and have an ongoing conversation with god next week we are launching the 714 Project. It's a a sermon series, it's a 40-day prayer challenge, and it is designed to help you learn how to pray, how to nurture this relationship with God. And I am more excited about this sermon series than I have been about any series we have ever done. I believe God is leading us to do this. I believe we're gonna see miracles. I believe people are gonna grow in ways they've never grown in their faith before. And as you do, and as you connect with Him, and as you nurture your relationship with Him, you will find contentment because that's where it's found. So make sure you're here next week. And in fact, I'm going to ask you to do a couple things regarding the 714 Project. I want you to find a prayer partner or two, maybe someone who's not even a part of our church, and invite them to be a part. We've ordered 1,000 books. Everybody is going to get a book and a journal. We have 1,000 books and 1,000 journals coming. We've got T-shirts coming um, and some other fun things that are gonna help you stay on track. But this is for all of us, and I believe this will be transformational for our church, for our community, and for you personally. So make sure you're here next week, make sure you bring somebody with you, and get them on board, and I can't wait to share with you all the aspects of this amazing journey we're gonna take called the 714 Project. So be here next week. But in the meantime, there's some things that you need to do. Some of us, as I've been teaching, have said to yourself, you've said to yourself, Yeah, I've got got something that I'm wanting more than God. And that's called conviction. And I want to challenge you in preparation for this next series. And I want to challenge you just in response to this message. Repent. Do business with God right now. You're watching online. Maybe you're by yourself. Get on your knees and confess it to God. Call it what it is. And draw some boundaries around it and walk away from it. And do it now. There are others of us, you're here, you're watching because you're looking for contentment. Maybe you didn't even know that's what you were looking for, but it is what you're looking for. And it's found in a relationship with God. And God wants you to have it. So much so that he sent his only son to die in your place because the punishment for all the things you've done wrong is sin. And he sent Jesus and Jesus lived a perfect life and then he was sacrificed in your place so that you could be forgiven and all your sin washed away and be given a brand new start in a relationship with God. And you want that today? You want that contentedness today? I encourage you to pray with me now. Just close your eyes. Say something along these lines. Say, Jesus, I need forgiveness. I need peace in my heart. And I need you. Would you forgive me? Would you wash away my sin? Would you come and live in my heart and would you give me a new life in you? And it is in your name that I pray. Amen. Amen. hey, if you prayed with me just then that's the first time you've ever prayed a prayer like that please please, please let us know all right Julia will let you know how to let us know here in a minute but It's so important that you don't keep this to yourself. And I've got some resources that I want to get to you to help you get started in this relationship. And we will see you next week for the 714 Project. Thanks again for joining us here at The Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God, and we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.